Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramay. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. Mark Daly here, welcoming you back to the show. And yes, after months and months and months and after more days and weeks that I care to remember, we are finally ready to go racing in just a, a couple of hours. FP1 is going to get going at the Red Bull Ring in Austria and uh, well, just can't wait to get back to racing. It's uh, just as simple as that. It is going to be a very, very busy show tonight. Um, as I sit here, it is in the late hours, the, the last few hours of Thursday, July 2nd, 2020. And uh, when I sat down to just get ready in the studio here, it was about three hours and uh, 45 minutes or so before the start of FP1 at the Red Bull Ring. So by the time uh, most of you get this uh, show and you start listening to it, we'll see what some of the preliminary times are and who uh, who looks hot and who does not look so hot uh, when it comes to the beginning of uh, free practice uh, for the uh, this weekend's Austrian Grand Prix. Can't wait to get going and uh, can't wait to, to get back to it. It has been far too long and we've gone through a lot of bad stuff since the last time we had a race, obviously. Anyway, so there is, a, like I said, a lot to, to talk about. And if this show goes longer, then hey, that's a good thing because finally we have something uh, really what I hope is going to be the, the beginning of positive news in, in Formula One is going to be more about what's happening on the track. And, uh, you know, well, we got eight races to look forward to as, as things stand right now. Of course, COVID time is strange and it could change, hopefully for the better, but uh, we will see and we'll get to a lot of this. So first of all, off to th- the top of the show tonight, I just wanted to talk about a couple of um, items. I, I've got five things to look for in the 2021 World Championship. And some of these we're going to talk a little bit uh, in detail right now. And uh, the rest we'll, we'll answer now or I'll answer as best I can. And then we'll get into it more details. We get into the meat of the show. But the five things that I picked in no particular order. Number one, will the Formula One COVID-19 bubble work? Now, this, of course, is a huge question. And there's no doubt that uh, where we are now in uh, in, in the, the beginning of July 2020, we know a lot more about uh, the transmission of uh, COVID-19. We know how infectious it can be. And we know who is more likely to get sick and uh, who is most more likely to get uh, really ill. Um, usually people who have underlying health conditions, the elderly, and people like that. Anyways, it was this is a far different world, a different place that we're in now at the beginning of July than we were three or four months ago when we go back to the, the, the race at uh, Melbourne that was uh, scrapped after there was a test positive case in the McLaren team. And that was really the start of it. I mean, obviously, this has been going on already for a couple of months in China, in Iran, starting to wind up in Italy at the time. But in the, in the Western world, the Western Hemisphere, we really didn't know a lot about it. But this was just something really at that time 
that was uh, just happening uh, somewhere else. And we really didn't understand or know a lot about of it um, at the time. And obviously, we, we know a lot more about it now. And as things have come out and as Formula One has um, really worked to, to try and get some sort of season together and put some sort of uh, schedule together, they've also come up with a, a safe operating environment to, to work in and, and have a bubble that they can work in. And they've said that even if um, that there are now test positive cases, that they can, that's not going to affect things in such a dramatic manner as it did a couple of months ago, which basically saw the pl- uh, plug pulled on the uh, entire event. So, of course, uh, we will have to wait and see. Hopefully, nobody in the in the paddock, in either the uh, you know, the team personnel, the drivers, any of the support staff, uh, the, the people that work at these facilities. Uh, of course, we don't want to see anybody getting sick with anything at any time. So let, let's just hope that the protocols that they have implemented with uh, physical distancing and everything else, the reduced amount of people uh, in the uh, at the facility, at the races, on the track, in the pits, just everything that they've implemented has, has actually worked works. Now, the the second uh, talking uh, point or thing to watch uh, this year in 2020, which teams are going to surprise us? Now, this can go either one of two ways. Which teams are going to surprise us in a good way or in a bad way? Are some of the big teams going to stumble? What with the the, the enforced layoff, the, the the furlough that we saw and the, the factory shutdowns um, that, uh, that everybody went through for a couple of months uh, back in the spring? And uh, on the flip side, are there going to be maybe some dark horses that come out of us uh, that uh, we won't know, right? We will have a better idea on Monday. And I mean, this is really no different in many ways than the first race of the year that we'd see in, in normal circumstances. It's just that this is maybe more amplified, more of a, it's probably a bigger deal or something that's going to get our attention more just because of all the weirdness that uh, that we've been through. So has this enforced layoff, has this really affected some of the good teams in a bad way? Are they going to stumble? Are we going to see them not be where we expected them to see? And are we going to see maybe some of the midfield teams or some of the teams that we don't expect to see higher up in the grid or finishing higher up in the points? Are we going to see something like that uh, reflected in uh, at least in the opening rounds of the 2020 World Championship? Now, the same thing, this is kind of, I mean, I put in two and three, it could be 2A and 2B because the second part in the lead on from that, uh, that, that equation is is or that question is which t or which drivers are going to surprise us either good or bad which drivers are going to rise to the the, the top and are there going to be some of the guys like your your, your charles leclerc's your lewis hamilton's your max verstappen's uh, for example are we going to see them maybe not in their 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 peak form to start the year? Of course, it's the same for for everybody. Not everybody's had a lot of uh, time in the car or the simulator. I mean, it's a long time ago since uh, the, these guys were seriously throwing these cars through their paces back at Barcelona at winter testing in, in, in February. I mean, that's almost, uh, well, I mean, it's four and a half months ago, right? I mean, they usually test there about the middle of February. We're at the beginning of uh, July now, so it's a, it's a long time. Time since these guys were really ramping up and and, and really were in in the, the best preseason preparation that, that they could be to get the 2020 season underway. And of course, between then and now, a lot has happened. Uh, some of these guys have been able to test in um, some of the older spec cars. Of course, that's a, a little bit different, but I mean, a two, three-year-old car, whatever spec that they were using 
In Formula One terms, I mean, that's like uh, me jumping into a car that's 10 or 15 years old. Okay, maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit, but uh, you, you get my point, right? I mean, these cars evolve uh, so differently. I mean, uh, th- this year is going to be a build-on from 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 last year, obviously, what with the, the, the new regulations. Uh, well, I mean, this all is going to be an in-between year anyways. But anyhow, it is going to be interesting to see how these guys do once they get back uh, b- behind the wheel. And then I guess also what be, might be interesting will be any of these guys that... Uh, that that took part in the the e-racing series like uh, Alex Albon um who else Lando Norris Charles Leclerc is that going to do anything or was that just a, a bit of fun i would think it's more the latter rather than the former but who knows <laughs> it would be kind of cool and it was uh, certainly a a good way to pass the time and uh, get a little bit of our racing fix even though so they 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 did that now the the, the next thing which i hinted at briefly is are we going to see a huge difference in terms of uh, performance from the cars uh, last year we we know that the the car that you finish a season with is going to be faster in theory than the car that you started the same car that you started the season with just with all the in-season development the upgrades that they, they bring over the course of a year now it is going to be interesting because this season being a season like none other and it's it it's just going to be strange i mean we're, we're kind of like in this this was always going to be an in-between time but now it's going to be even more so it's going to be prolonged because we're going to see the extension of these regulations not from this year but also into next year and then with the eventual introduction of the new uh, specs and regulations in, in, in 2022, which seems like a hell of a long time from now, which is still basically, well, about uh, 18, 20 months uh, away from we are uh, right now. I mean, I, I know we will all, we're looking with a, a lot of excitement uh, towards 2021. I mean, especially when you go back and look at uh, some of the concept drawings that came out when they they first floated these ideas. And of course, concept to, to reality is a, is a completely different thing. But I, th- I think when we first saw those um, those uh, you know concept drawings came out uh, when when they first came out with the 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 original press conference and it really excited a lot of people and uh, I know that uh, you know if you go back and see what uh, what Lewis was saying that uh, you know that, uh, that that this might have an effect on what he would do in, in the future in Formula One and guys like Fernando Alonso well you know this might have uh, something with me coming back to Formula One. Regardless if somebody wants them or not, that's a completely different story. But it is just going to be interesting. I mean, especially now, you know, we've got like this token system put in place. I mean, we got the cost cap coming in and all these uh, different things. How how much of an improvement is it going to be? Uh, is it going to be small? Is it going to be large? Is it going to be uh, about the same as last year? So it's going to be very very fascinating to watch uh, d- just to see what uh, you know what what we see with the cars. I mean, it uh, again we will probably have a good idea next uh, next week after the first uh, race and what we see what the fastest lap of the race is how it compares to last year and years gone by. I mean. Ever since, uh, well, I mean, the, the times always seem to come down, but uh, ever since uh, 2017, when the, the the current regulations were introduced, I mean, we saw some of the, uh, you know, the, the, the times come down and some of the, uh, the the new fastest laps and track records uh, that were set were really quite uh, dramatic in, in, in some cases. Anyways, and the final thing uh, that we're going to talk about, or one of the, uh, the the talking points or points of interest uh, for 2020 is how many races are we going to see? I mean, Formula One keeps saying, you know, the, that, that sweet spot for them is between 15 and 18 races. Here we are beginning of July 2020. We've got, uh, you know, eight races uh, confirmed right now, all in Europe. We're going to have two in Austria, back-to-back races, and we're going to have two in Great Britain, Hungary. Spa and then uh, the Italian Grand Prix. I mean, there's still more races, 
that could come, and we will wait and see. I mean, we're we're looking into November, December, with the traditional season finale in Abu Dhabi, and uh, you know, there, there's, I mean, there's still things go ongoing. I mean, we're still seeing, unfortunately, dramatic rises in cases of COVID around the world in certain places. I mean, uh, you you look at Texas right now. I mean, um, the the amount of uh, you know, COVID cases being uh, recorded there on a daily basis are just uh, through the roof, and the, it's skyrocketing. Who knows how that's going to affect the, the the U.S. Grand Prix at the Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas, that's uh, slated for the fall. Maybe it'll go, maybe it won't. Who knows? I mean, at, at this time, and we we can't even speculate. But if you look at what's happening right now, just with the you know the pandemic situation, especially especially in the southern states, it doesn't look promising. But we'll just have to wait and see what, what happens. So, anyway, so those are five points that uh, that I'm really looking at. Um, you know, for 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 different reasons, obviously, over the next uh, weeks and months, and it really will be a season like none other. And um, there are going to be a lot of um, it's going to evolve, <laughs> and I think each race is going to be fascinating to watch uh, this year more than ever, especially if the, uh, the 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 total number of races is is less than what they imagined. I mean, I always thought that 18 seemed really optimistic. I mean, at the end of it, only dropping four races off the originally planned 22. Yeah, that that seems a little bit uh, optimistic, unless, you know, you count uh, some of these races you know, that we have like Austria and Great Britain that maybe they run back to back weekends. Maybe we could see something like that in Bahrain or, uh, you know, at uh, Abu Dhabi, some of these other places. It's been floated like that. I mean, there, there's also the, uh, the, the the possibility of having races in uh, at Imola and also Mugello and having like this, uh, you know, the, this uh, trifecta, this, uh, you know, the triple header of uh, races in Italy at some point uh, in in the year, which would be uh, pretty cool. Anyway, so a lot of these stories uh, that are these uh, talking points that I've already discussed, we're going to d- discuss them more in detail as we go through the show and we start getting into the current news. I think what I'm going to do now is just uh, break early for the very first break here on the show and we'll come back and we're going to dive into it. So don't go away. We'll be back here on the Overtime Media Network in just one moment. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. So we got uh, some of the things to look out for, five uh, five important points uh, for the 2020 Formula One World Championship. That's out of the way. Let's get right into it. Let's get into the news. And first of all, uh, let's uh, get with, start with a, an update on Alex Zanardi, the Paralympian, who is still in serious but stable condition after a second surgery for uh, for head injuries that he suffered in a, in a, in a hand bike crash uh, back on uh, June uh, 19th. So uh, the 53 
83-year-old is still in a medically induced uh, coma after this uh, two-and-a-half-hour surgery, which um, by all accounts, uh, the, you know, the medical team at the, the, uh, the, the, hosp- uh, the hospital that he's at in Italy expected that uh, to happen. Anyways, there was a, a release that uh, came out in the Associated Press. It said, quote, his condition remains stable from the cardiorespiratory and metabolic point of view, grave from the neurological point of view. Um, and end quote. Yeah, so that obviously that uh, does not uh, sound uh, very good. And then uh, Robert uh, Gusinu, the hospital's uh, director, said uh, the doctors knew all along that a second uh, surgery would uh, be uh, most uh, likely. So Zanardi drove in uh, F1 from 91 to 94, and again in 1991, or sorry, 1999. And then from 96 to 98, he drove uh, in cart, and he won the cart title in 97 and 98. Uh, of course, uh, he had both legs amputated in a crash in Germany and then in a cart race in 2000. 2001, and then he came back in uh, motor racing, uh, competing for BMW and what uh, became the World Touring Car Championship in 2004. And then he won uh, two gold medals in uh, London 2012 and Rio 2016 at the Paralympics. And he's won 12 world championships uh, in, the, in the handbike. And also uh, he participated and won the, the 2011 uh, New York City Marathon. So, uh, you know, an extremely talented uh, athlete and uh, doesn't sound uh, very good uh, for uh, Alex uh, Zanardi. Uh, so we all hope uh, that... Uh, that next time there'll be something uh, a little bit more more positive. Anyways, uh, moving along uh, with uh, the news, Formula One gets a $2.9 billion loan uh, amendment uh, to help uh, make it through the uh, financial crisis uh, brought on uh, by the COVID-19 pandemic, pardon me. Um, Anyways, uh, they have a a loan and a credit uh, facility of $500 million uh, that uh, belong to Formula One, uh, governed by a covenant which uh, the lenders specify the maximum possible leverage or ratio to total debt to profit that F1 is obliged to operate uh, within. So usually, this is a number that wouldn't be uh, a big deal because uh, F1's uh, annual profits have always been uh, big enough to keep the the, the ratio well below the required uh, limit. Uh, but with uh, the 2020 profits going to be really nailed by the, uh, the, the effects of COVID-19. And the, the the shutdown and the uh, you know all the issues that we've seen with the global economy that could be uh, you know be, become a, a big deal. Anyways, uh, Chase Carey, the uh, F1 CEO, had to say, "quote This new flexibility uh, in our debt uh, covenants, along with the strong balance sheet and ample liquidity, will enable us to weather this difficult time." End quote. Well, you know, it's uh, just go- again it goes to to show you that uh, that it hasn't been easy for, for everyone, uh, Formula One included. Now. McLaren, we talked about the, this last week, uh, but uh, since last week's uh, show, uh, McLaren has agreed to a £150 million loan with the National Bank of uh, Bahrain, which will help uh, take off some of the pressures uh, it had about the, the, the loan, or like a short-term cash flow uh, problem. And uh, well, <laughs> it, uh, again, it uh, it hasn't been uh, easy. Anyways, uh, there was a court document uh, that was uh, released that said, uh, quote, the proposed transactions will enable the group to access the additional liquidity that is required required to ensure that the group can continue as a going concern into 2021. This will provide a significant benefit to the creditors of the group by preventing a cash flow crisis and a value a destructive insolvency, end quote. That's a big a bit of a, a mouthful. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the Natural Bank of Bahrain issued um, a statement uh, to the stock market there back on Monday of this week, saying that the loan had been agreed, signed, sealed, and delivered, and all that. And anyways, uh, the the uh, the statement went on to 
say, quote, the National Bank of Bahrain hereby confirms that the to the markets that the final documentation has been signed and all the necessary approvals have been granted in relation to a 150 million pounds financing facility, end quote. So that's good that uh, McLaren has uh, the, the the funding that they need, um, and, you know, for for the time being, and uh, they're you know it kind of takes a, a bit of the the, the financial pressure off. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, some of the things we might see this weekend and some of the things we know where we're going to see this uh, weekend. But uh, Mercedes has upgraded their uh, engines, the power units uh, for the Austrian Grand Prix this uh, weekend. And uh, that's also going to be applicable to their customer teams for Racing Point and Williams, uh, getting the new spec power unit after uh, the uh, Mercedes made some uh, further reliability fixes uh, to the the engines. So there were some uh, cooling uh, issues with the MGUH at the first test, and this was uh, fixed uh, for, for a second session uh, after there were two bearing fa- failures, and this was a problem they actually addressed way back uh, before the uh, non-event at the uh, the Australian uh, Grand Prix. So the uh, the, the power units uh, have been sealed and fitted to the cars in Australia, were not officially used um, as the cars never actually left uh, the, the, the pit lane. So the season's allocation of power units starts fresh starts counting uh, this weekend uh, in uh, in in Austria so there you go anyways uh you know it's funny though i mean you never really equate uh, reliability issues uh, with uh, with Mercedes. I mean, there's only a couple of times that immediately come to mind. I mean, one was the the double DNF in Austria. What was it two years ago, uh, when uh, both uh, uh, Lewis Hamilton and and and, uh, and Valtteri Bottas uh, just didn't finish the race, which was bizarre. And I think it was the, the first uh, the first double DNF uh, for, for mechanical reasons I think they'd had since the 1950s, which is a heck of a long time. And again, something that uh, you really don't uh, see very uh, very often. I mean, another one, uh, you know, really significant one, is uh, when uh, Lewis had an engine failure back at uh, the Malaysian Grand Prix in 2016. And, and for me, that was one of the key moments that uh, I, I think that uh, I wouldn't say it was the nail in the coffin of Lewis's uh, title challenge back in 2016, but it certainly uh, just uh, tilted the, the 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 balance of favor a little bit more towards uh, Nico Rosberg because uh, I, I mean Lewis did go on quite a run after that. I mean he pushed um, Nico Rosberg right to to the very last corner of the very last race of the year at Abu Dhabi. And, uh, I mean, he had him in his sights. I mean, uh, Lewis, uh, was, was really chasing down, uh, Nico Rosberg after that, but, uh, it just, uh, after having that engine failure at Malaysia just made it all that much uh, more difficult because, um, obviously he didn't get the maximum points and it just uh, really made it all that much more difficult. And, and, uh, afterwards, after Malaysia that year, Nico really went into, a real defensive mode. Uh, he really didn't push the car harder than he needed and just went, uh, he, he played it safe. I mean, obviously, I mean, uh, you know, it's not sugarcoating it. It's just the, the, the way that it is. I mean, he just went for the safe points, just going, uh, you know, not pushing the car any harder than he needed to and uh, not, uh, you know, sticking his nose into, uh, you know, where it shouldn't belong or getting into dodgy situations and just uh, trying to get, um, get, get a, a smart amount of points each and every race. And I mean, the, the strategy worked out for him. Uh, uh, you know, I, I guess his fans probably would have wanted to see him uh, put the hammer down and and, and really, uh, you know, finish a lot stronger than that. But uh, I mean, he was a, a lot more strategic about it. And and, and Lewis, I mean, he was going to fight a, a, a lot more. I mean, Lewis never gives up uh, at, at any time. 
and uh, certainly he wasn't going to give up uh, that year. So, I mean, just a couple of instances of uh, Mercedes uh, reliability issues, and obviously we we don't see them uh, very often. And uh, Lewis, on the other hand, or just to, uh, to build on this, he's he's very uh, confident of the the reliability fixes that they've implemented coming into the Austrian uh, Grand Prix uh, this year. And uh, well, they've won four of the the first four races at the Red Bull Ring uh, since uh, it came back to the calendar in 2014. Uh, though uh, Max has won the last two uh, events there in uh, 2018 and 2019 uh, for for Red Bull. So yeah, going back to to 2018, I've got to write my notes here. There's hydraulics uh, and fuel pressure problems that stopped uh, Bottas and Hamilton. And uh, cooling issues last year was um, one of the problems uh, that they had. I mean, uh, last year, I mean, that was uh, something that we really didn't expect to see because, I mean, Mercedes was so, so strong through that first opening phase of of the season coming back uh, to to Europe. So to see them struggle like they did in Austria, and uh, that, that one was really between uh, Max and, uh, and Charles Leclerc. And then uh, Max really pushed his way around, uh, you know, Charles to take the lead. And and I mean, Max and uh, the, the Red Bull and Honda combination, it was unbeatable on that day. And uh, Charles took, a, I think, a bit of exception to the the, the move that Max made. It, it, was, it was aggressive, no doubt about it. Um, but I mean, uh, he, I think it was just a question of time. I mean, uh, if he Max wasn't going to push his way past at uh, that point in the race that he did last year, it really was going to happen uh, sooner or later, anyways. And uh, it, it was just uh, Max just decided uh, he was just going to do it at that point. And uh, it certainly wasn't uh, going to be an issue. Anyways, uh, uh, Lewis uh, did say just ahead of the season opener that uh, he felt like why he was uh, confident uh, since they addressed the cooling issue. And uh, he had to say, quote, we've not been terrible since 2017, but it is a challenging circuit with the height of the circuit and the temperatures that we see. We arrived here in previous years, and it's usually not the kind of not uh, the perfect window of operating temperatures for our car. But I like to think we're in a better position this year with the improvements that we've made for the season car so time will tell end quote so yeah i mean uh that that is interesting uh just uh, that that he's uh so forthcoming and saying that uh, that uh the, the the track itself just really isn't uh you know within the uh, the, the proper uh, operating temperatures it just really isn't um you know ideal for the for the mercedes and uh you know again and i've said this for years that it, it's hard not to uh you know to to, to bet against them <clears throat> Pardon me. And I was texting back and forth with a couple of friends here earlier this week. And then they, they said, well, uh, you know, what's your bet for this weekend? I said, uh, you know, Mercedes are going to win it. Uh, you know, top three. I said, I'm going uh, Hamilton for the win and then uh, uh, Verstappen and then uh, Bottas to, to, to finish off the, uh, the, the the podium. I know they've had their issues there in the couple of years, but, you know, when, whenever they have problems and especially they've had all this time to focus on knowing that they're going to be coming into Austria, knowing the issues that they've had there in the past couple of seasons, I, you know... I just have a real issue in betting against them because every time I think that they're not going to get it done, they get it done. And they've done this historically, that they've gone away from a situation that has not been ideal for them or where they've come up a little bit short. And they've gone and they've buckled down and they've focused and they've come back and they've uh, they've just been able to get it done and uh, usually in very impressive uh, circumstances. Anyways, uh, Ferrari, they're going to be running a testing spec car in Austria and they're going to have a, a big uh, update uh, package when we get to, to uh, the, the British Grand Prix in a couple of uh, weeks. Uh, team principal Mattia Bonato said that after the lockdown break, the team decided to take a, a big change of direction to, to find more performance uh, in the SF1 
1000. And, and, and in doing so, they just knew that the updates would not be ready for the car in the first couple of races uh, of the season. So um, the, 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 the time that they had after the, the, the mandatory factory shutdown, as well as the new coronavirus protocols that um, have, well, I mean, it's, it's impacted everyone. I mean, you can't go in any uh, business uh, or, or store at, at any place around the world right now that hasn't been affected uh, to, to one degree or, or another. It doesn't matter if you're going into a restaurant to, to pick up some food or going to get your groceries or whatever it might be. So um, this is also, uh, you know, it's compromised. Uh, you know, the, the word that, uh, that the Bonato used, uh, it compromised the, the pace of work at the factory in Marinello. But uh, he said that it would have been counterproductive uh, to keep uh, pursuing the original uh, concept that they had for the uh, the SF one thousand after the there was a disappointing uh, outing and testing. Anyways, uh, Pinato had to say, "quote This weekend the car will run in the same configuration used towards the end of the Barcelona test." This doesn't mean that we've been twiddling our thumbs in the very limited time of just five and a half weeks in which we are able to work on the cars because of the stringent procedures involved in working around the pandemic, as well as the total shutdown of activities required by the FAA in agreement with the teams. The truth is that the outcome of these tests led us to take a significant change of direction in terms of development, especially on the aerodynamic front. First, we had to understand why we did not see the results we had expected on the track and how much to recalibrate the whole program as a result. It would not have been counterproductive to continue in that direction that we had planned, knowing that we would not have reached our goals. Therefore, we decided to come up with a new program that looked at the whole car, knowing that not all of it would be ready for the first race. Our first race is to introduce the updates at the third race at July 19th at the Hungara Ring. So, in quote, pardon me, got my got my notes wrong, so go looking at the quote. So, yeah, not looking at the British Grand Prix, looking in a couple of weeks from now in Hungary to get these uh, updates uh, on, the, on the car. So, anyways, um, Bernardo did go on further to say they haven't completely given up on the uh, the, the current package on, on the car at the moment. And uh, he says that uh, Ferrari understands uh, w- what the car is doing better than they did um, uh, earlier. And he did go on to say it's not the fastest package. And uh, they, they knew that going to, to Australia, and that still hasn't changed. Uh, but uh, they, they have uh, some uh, different uh, characteristics uh, at, uh, at, uh, at Spielberg, at the Red Bull Ring, compared to uh, Momello at, uh, at uh, Barcelona. And also the, the, the temperatures that we're going to see this weekend obviously are going to be a, a little bit uh, different than uh, we, we saw back in, uh, back in February at testing. Um, anyway, so I think what I'm going to do now just uh, looking at the time. No, we'll go ahead uh, a little bit now. Uh, I was going to uh, just go on to a, a couple of different things, but I was just uh, going to look at some of the times uh, actually uh, from from last year. So the the, the things that we know about uh, the, the Red Bull ring, some of the basics, um, it is uh, 4.18, uh, sorry, 4.318 kilometers or 2.683 miles in length, 10 turns. Uh, the fastest lap was uh, set in uh, 2018 by Kimi Raikkonen in the Ferrari SF71A. And that was a 106.957. So, you know, that that is, uh, you know, a, a very, very fast time. I mean, if you go and take a look at the the, the fastest lap that was uh, set uh, last year, uh, it was a lap 60 by uh, Max Verstappen. He said a 107.475, so obviously quite a bit uh, off of the pace. Uh, if you go back uh, to FP1, uh, you know, Lewis uh, set a, a 104.838 uh, in, in FP1. So, I mean, of course, uh, running uh, probably pretty light on some pretty soft compound uh, tires. FP2, uh, Charles Leclerc, his fastest time was a 105.086. 
FP3. Charles got to to 103.987. I mean, that's just an amazing time. And uh, qualifying uh, Charles Leclerc, his uh, Q3 time, Charles was on pole. He had a 103.003. Lewis Hamilton, who was uh, lined up uh, beside him uh, in uh, P2 on the the front row, a 103.262. The, the first two rows, uh, Max Verstappen and uh, Valtteri Bottas, who uh, lined up uh, third and fourth on row uh, two, they were both uh, in the 103s. Uh, Valtteri Bottas was just a, a hair over 103.5. And then uh, going on down, you had to, in, in fifth, starting the race in fifth last year, you had uh, K-Mag, Kevin Magnussen and the Haas had uh, basically 104 on the nose right there. So... Uh, you know, very, very impressive times. Even uh, Pierre Gasly, who uh, finished uh, or uh, qualified in 10th last year for Red Bull, uh, he set uh, a Q3 time of uh, a 104.199. So some very, very, uh, you know, <laughs> some very, very quick, uh, quick times. Um, anyways, uh, so just uh, going down a little bit further. So uh, I mentioned the, the first couple of rows. So uh, going on uh, row three, uh, Kevin Magnussen uh, and Lando Norris, uh, Norris, obviously the the McLaren driver. Uh, row four was Kimi Magnuson, or sorry, Kimi Magnuson. Pardon me, Kimi Raikkonen and Antonio Giovinazzi, uh, both alphas on uh, on row four. And row five was uh, Pierre Gasly and uh, Sebastian uh, Vettel. And uh, Sebastian had some issues, didn't actually set a time in uh, in Q three. So by the time it was uh, all said and done. It was uh, Max Verstappen uh, winning the race uh, with the, uh, uh, sorry, after the, the 71 laps. It was uh, Charles Leclerc who finished second uh, for Ferrari, Valtteri Bottas who finished uh, in P3, uh, Sebastian Vettel in Ferrari for uh, P4, Lewis Hamilton in fifth. Uh, we don't see that uh, very often, of course. Uh, Lando Norris in uh, sixth, Pierre Gasly seventh, uh, Carlos Sainz eighth, Kimi Raikkonen, and Antonio Giovinazzi finished up in uh, in P10. So, I mean, that, that was really the the, the big story uh, last year was uh, was uh, was Max and the scrap that he had with uh, with uh, with Charles Leclerc. And the fact was that it was the first race of the year that uh, somebody who wasn't in a Ferrari actually won. Uh, sorry. Uh, in a Mercedes who actually uh, who had won a race uh, because they had just been so dominant. And it, it looked like, um, I, I thought at one point it was going to be shades of, what was it, 1998? Or sorry, 1988, when I think it was uh, both uh, McLarens of uh, Senna and Prost. Uh, I think they won all 16 races that year. I'd have to go back and, uh, and look at that in detail. But it really looked like at one point uh, that, that it was going to be all Mercedes all year long because uh, Ferrari, obviously, um, they weren't in it last year. I mean, the, the, the car that they had was just not good enough and then uh, Red Bull I mean they, they were obviously quicker they were faster than Ferrari but they just did not have uh, what what it took uh, to, uh, to to catch up uh, to Mercedes at least in you know before uh, before Austria and of course, another thing to remember from uh, last year was that uh, Lewis Hamilton actually had to go in uh, to change uh, his front wing after damaging it uh, because he kept uh, going over wide on the curbs at uh, at turn one, and then he had to uh, go into uh, into the pits on lap thirty one to get a new one that dropped him all the way down to uh, to fifth. Uh, that's when uh, Verstappen inherited uh, the, uh, the 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 lead, but he p- pitted a lap uh, later, and then uh, Charles Leclerc, uh, you know, took uh, you know first place and uh, and uh, from from there. 
Um, anyways, uh, going into the very last lap of the race, Vettel passed Hamilton uh, to take fourth. And uh, it, it was it was a very, very different uh, race last year, wasn't it? So it is going to be interesting to see now what uh, what, what happens uh, this year. And it's really going to be very difficult to, to make any predictions as what we're going to see at uh, at the, uh, the the Red Bull ring uh, the, this weekend. I mean, this, this is like an opening round like we've never seen before. And well, I mean, I, I've made a prediction of Hamilton, uh, Verstappen, and Bottas. You know, the the, the you know the, the the podium for the race. But whether or not it turns out this way remains to be seen. Anyway, still a lot of news to get into, so uh, we're going to take a break now here on the Overtime Media Network. So don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. So going back to Ferrari, we're talking about them uh, just a little bit uh, before the break. Charles Leclerc believes that Ferrari is going to struggle a lot more this year than they did last year in uh, 2019. And he said that he's 99% uh, sure that Ferrari is going to face a more difficult uh, time in the world championship uh, this year than they had last year. And let's face it, uh, Ferrari fans, last year was not uh, a good season for them. I mean, they they had some flashes uh, later in the season, obviously. Obviously at Imola, sorry at Imola, uh, at uh, at Monza, the Italian Grand Prix was a good one. Singapore was a good one, but there weren't really a lot of uh, bright moments uh, for them. They they really struggled, and of course, the one thing that's that that's really uh, been uh, been a follow on from that, and it, it's really haunted them, is is just all the debate uh, about the, uh, the 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 legality of the engine that they had last year, and the secret agreement uh, that they came to, you know, they came to that uh, you know the the uh, you know the reason or the findings of the infraction would not be uh, uh, publicized to the other teams or to the public in, in general, just to really, uh, you know, adds fuel to the fire of what, uh, you know, that was really uh, all, all about. Uh, but anyways, uh, it, it was a very tumultuous uh, season for them last year. And to, to hear Charles say, you know, before we even had the, the, the first uh, race under our belt, uh, that uh, they're going to struggle even more than they have uh, or, or that they did last year does not sound very positive. And it's really quite uh, a contrary position to what uh, Mattia Bonato was saying, is that, uh, well, I mean, he he didn't come out and say it was going to be like a great race, but, uh, or sorry, a great season, but uh, I, I got a, a bit of an impression that uh, that he expects more or expects the team or the, the car to do better once they introduce this big upgrade uh, package that's going to come in a couple of weeks at the, uh, the the Hungarian Grand Prix and then going on to Britain, Monza and, uh, and Spa later in the summer. So it, it is interesting though, but uh, compared to say Red Bull and Mercedes, you know, they are a little bit uh, further behind. And uh, Charles had to say, quote, I think it's going to be a very challenging season for us. It's definitely not going to be easy. We still have this question mark and we will have to wait for qualifying to be sure about what we say, even though we are 99% sure that we'll be struggling more than last year. Uh, I think after the testing, we knew more or less that we are not where we wanted to be, especially on the qualifying pace. Then there's been this whole situation with the coronavirus. Everything was closed. Once they reopened, we reanalyzed the data with a small amount of time we had. And I think we decided to make a step back and analyze where the issue is coming from first, then to work on the issues. That's where we're at at the moment. We've tried a, a different route for Budapest, end quote. Now, uh, Seb- uh, Sebastian Vettel uh, said that he was quite uh, interested and intrigued to know where Ferrari is going to line up and compare to uh, their rivals this year after what he said was a uh, you know, disappointing showing in uh, preseason testing in Barcelona. And Seb had to say, quote, I think after the test in Barcelona, it was que- clear we were not where we wanted to be. Obviously, we were excited to go to Australia and see if it was true or not. I think it will be in the same way if it is true for us here. 
it will be interesting to see where we are to get an answer in that, and then we have to take it from there. I think at this stage, also, it is unknown how long the season would be. I think at the moment, we have eight races scheduled. Whether we will have these eight races, whether we have more, a lot of things are unknown, end quote. So, yeah, it is kind of interesting. I mean, I, I think uh, the, the the drivers are obviously getting, uh, you know, some some feedback uh, from, from the team, from the engineers, from Bonato that, uh, you know, things aren't uh, where they need to be with the car. And they, they know that, uh, that, that themselves, obviously, driving the car, being in the simulator and all these things, that the car didn't perform as they expected in, in, in Barcelona. But it will be interesting. I mean, um, I, I, just uh, listening to all the and reading all the different things we've heard from Vettel, from uh, Bonato, from uh, Leclerc over the past uh, several days. If uh, you know they, they get onto the podium this weekend, uh, I, I think that might be a bit of an unexpected, uh, you know, surprise compared to you know a, a lot more of the sort of positive uh, things we're hearing from Red Bull and uh, and, and from uh, Mercedes. But again, it, it, this is really a season like uh, none other, and uh, there, there are so many unknowns going into this, uh, you know, for, for everybody, right? So we we really have to analyze and uh, reflect. Uh, after next week to see exactly uh, how they do and uh, you know how they they lined up uh, from where everyone else now Roman Grosjean uh, said he is very concerned about uh, the lack of upgrades uh, introduced uh, to the car at Hassa this year and uh, and and just uh, he's just like in general he's uh, concerned about the lack of planned upgrades at the team and now th- this is interesting because I mean <laughs> I know that uh, we hear from Gunther Steiner that they're going to stay into F1 and everything like that, but it is, you still have to wonder, you know, like that old saying where there's smoke, there, there, there's got to be fire, right? And uh, there, there seemed to be a lot of speculation, a lot of, well, maybe not speculation, but I think there, there are a lot of question marks around uh, w- what's happening with Haas and whether or not they're going to stay in, in Formula One for the long term. I mean, recently, what with all the um, the, the cost-cutting measures that have been agreed to and the amounts uh, set for the, uh, you know, the, the steadily decreasing cost cap over the next couple of years, that certainly plays in, in, into their favor because they're never going to be uh, big spenders, uh, let's just face it. But, uh, I mean, it, it's been a bit of a tough road for them uh, you know, since they came into Formula One several years ago, I mean, they, they've had their moments. I mean, they, they certainly have had some good moments. Last year was not uh, a good season for them. And it certainly has been, uh, you know, difficult. And when you hear things just, uh, you know, sometimes from Steiner, sometimes from from Hassig, it just, I'm not overly convinced, even though that, uh, you know, they, you know, they, they say that they're, you know, they're going to stay into stay in Formula One for the long term. And uh, it's uh, for, for me, it really is, uh, you know, you know, Let's just wait and see. I, I, you know, I, I, I have to be convinced that these guys are serious. And Grosjean has uh, actually said that uh, he's contra, you know, he's he's concentrating on a stable package that can have uh, advantages for the car. But uh, he said to uh, Motorsport.com, "quote We can focus on what we have and optimize everything we do. Obviously, I may be a little bit more concerned than Kevin, and we know what F1 is about: bringing development and bringing new parts. But last year, I finished the race uh, with the kit I started the year on. Sometime." An update doesn't really work out the way you want. Yes, it's great to have new parts. It's great to bring performance, but it doesn't always work and you can focus on the wrong place. I'm happy to come racing. I think the team survived the crisis. Let's go racing. Let's get the car, uh, how quick we can make it and see if we need to bring parts. Um, he goes on uh, further to say, quote, I think we have a good baseline from winter testing. Obviously, now the conditions are going to be quite different, different track, different layout, different temperatures. But the guys have been optimizing everything we've learned in the winter testing. And that's good. And we don't have to focus on trying to get new parts to work. 
over a few races, we'll see how it goes and what we can do on the car. But for now, we're actually in a good place and hopefully the car works well and we can have some fun, end quote. So certainly a bit, uh, you know, for for my money, that's a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a confusing uh, statement uh, by, by, by Grosjean. But at the, at the same point, I mean, he does make, um, you know, I, I think he makes uh, – a fairly uh, insightful comment when he says that uh, you know it, it's nice to have uh, upgrades and new parts for the car, but sometimes these upgrades don't work the, the, the way that you expect. Uh, expect especially if you uh, go down the wrong path and uh, you focus on the wrong area and you develop that, and the uh, you know the, the upgrades that uh, that you make to that area of the car actually hinder rather than uh, you know improve the car and its uh, performance. And that's ultimately uh, what it comes down to. Now let's uh, switch over to uh, Red Bull for the next. Next uh, couple of items in the uh, in the news, uh, uh, Red Bull team principal uh, Christian Horner says that Formula One is facing what he calls a smash and grab season due to the uh, the uncertainties of the uh, coronavirus pandemic, which are going to really increase the importance of the limited amount of car upgrades uh, uh, that they have. Now, uh, Red Bull are going to be running an upgraded Honda engine in Aud- uh, Austria this weekend is one of several teams that are going to be uh, introducing major upgrades uh, to their car uh, for this, uh, you know, for the season o- opener. And, uh, well, I mean, that's uh, obviously very different uh, compared to uh, Ferrari. He's going to wait a, a couple of weeks until uh, uh, until Hungary to introduce uh, their uh, first uh, round of upgrades. Anyways, uh, 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 Horner had to say, quote, I think we had a good preseason. It felt like uh, Mercedes are still a sniff ahead, but it's all going to come down to the rate of development and obviously Honda's evolution as well. I'm sure the top teams will all be bringing updates that, that uh, would normally have been either added on in the early European season. And it's going to be about how much is that worth? Who's going to be putting on the most performance onto their cars? And of course, we've got a unique situation where we've effectively got a year and a half to get out of these cars. Uh, so it's going to be a smash and grab kind of season this year with a prolonged uh, development that goes through the, with this car and carried over into next year, end quote. So yeah, I mean, it, it really is going to be interesting. And and the thing is uh, that, um, you know, and this has been hinted to and said uh, by many people over the, you know, the, the last uh, week or two and even longer that although we know that we've got uh, probably eight races at, at the moment, maybe more, maybe less, depending how things go, hopefully not, that, uh, it, you know, you're going to have to strike, strike uh, quick and, and fast and really maximize the amount of points uh, that, that you have. I mean, uh, the, I mean, the way that it usually works, you need uh, eight races to constitute a world championship. What with all the drastic uh, situations that we found ourselves in, I mean, the, the, uh, you know, the, the rules and the parameters have been, uh, been altered uh, for this year uh, to, uh, you know, what, what uh, you know, will uh, be enough uh, for a world championship. So the thing is that we're not going to have a, a long season. Uh, so, I mean, uh, you know, if you're in the running or you, you want to make a challenge for the world championship, neither the, the, the drivers or the constructor side, that you're going to have to, excuse me, make every race count and really every point is going to be more crucial than than, than ever because there aren't going to be as many points on offer this season uh, than uh, than obviously in in previous years. And if you have a couple of bad races, that really could make the difference in whether or not you're going to uh, you know be in the running uh, or not. But uh, just sticking with that, uh, Red Bull they, they believe that they are the best prepared for the uh, the new season for the first time since uh, 2013, and that was the last time that uh, they had a title winning uh, season. 
And of course, it helps that the first two races of the year are going to be at uh, their their home track, the Red Bull Ring. Obviously, it's Spielberg in Austria. And of course, Max has won there for the, for the last two years. And as we talked about a little bit uh, earlier, that Mercedes has had uh, their, their issues and their challenges at, uh, the, at the Red Bull Ring in uh, 2018 and 2019. So uh, Verstappen set the, the second fastest time of the 2020 preseason testing at uh, Barcelona. And uh, he was, uh, well, 0.53 behind uh, Valtteri uh, Bottas's uh, chart-topping uh, time at uh, at, uh, at Barcelona. Anyways, uh, Horner had to say, quote, it's going to be an exciting year. It's going to be intense. Races are going to come thick and fast. And for me, we're probably going into the season better prepared or what it's been the best we've been prepared since probably 2013. Going into a season, certainly in the hybrid era, it's represented our best off season. And our second year in our relationship with Honda, that feels more integrated, very much a part of the team now. And we're excited. We're really excited to go racing, end quote. And that that really is uh, another thing that I think really to um, uh, to watch this year is just the uh, w- what are we going to see in terms of improvements uh, in, in the Honda power unit. Uh, and, and last year, I, th- I think, was really interesting because... Uh, Honda had said all along after they uh, announced that they were going to be the new en- engine supplier after uh, uh, Renault or sorry uh, Red Bull said that they were not going to be going with uh, a new deal with uh, Renault's uh, power units in 2019 and and Honda came in they said their their benchmark was to uh, keep them on a, on the same level in 2019 as they were the season before with uh, w- w- with Renault power and certainly I think that they they did and even though they they didn't really win many more races uh, last year than they they had previously with Renault, I just felt like uh, that, that the, there was a slight edge in performance. I mean, certainly um, they, they were better than Ferrari in many races in the opening half of the year. And uh, even though they weren't uh, you know, fast enough uh, to, to, to catch Mercedes, they had leapfrogged uh, Ferrari. I mean, Ferrari obviously didn't help the, themselves. I mean, the, the, the car that they had last year just wasn't uh, you know good enough. It was uh, a step back from, from the year before, and uh, it was just a, a bit dis- uh, disappointing. Anyway, um Honda and uh, and Red Bull that certainly is a, a partnership that seems to be working uh whereas uh, the the um, Red Bull Renault uh, partnership just did not uh, they just didn't do well they 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 weren't getting along uh as well in the the, the turbo hybrid era that uh, since 2014 since uh you know in, in the previous uh, normally aspirated era and that uh, was certainly that that wasn't uh, something that happened overnight i mean if you go back to even 2014 2015 Christian Horner was even complaining way back when, or way back then, pardon me, that um, that that Renault just wasn't delivering the goods and giving them enough power compared to uh, before the uh, you know the the turbo hybrid era, and that uh, certainly just uh, worsened uh, over time. So, anyway, so that is uh, interesting to hear that uh, they they feel like they're they're more integrated uh, together. Obviously, you know they've already got a year working together under their belts, and uh, it uh, that is going to be one uh, to, to watch just uh, how much improved that is and. And uh, obviously, if they're feeling good about that, and then uh, you know, if uh, you know, on the on the flip side, that uh, you have Ferrari saying that uh, you know this they're they're going to struggle this year, that we we could see a, a shift in that uh, you know that top three, you know, p- potentially, um, you know, probably we're going to still see Mercedes at the top, but we could see uh, Red Bull uh, take over number two, and uh, Ferrari could slip down to the you know the the third in the you know the the A class, Class A, or the top tier, whatever you want to call it, in uh, in Formula One. Anyways, still a little bit of Red Bull uh, news to go. Anyways, we'll, we'll get to it in just a moment after we take another break here on the Overtime Media Network. So don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. 
All right. Well, uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, we're going to keep going here. Still a lot to, to, to talk about. So uh, buckle in, get a drink, uh, you know, get comfortable because we're going to be here for a little time before we get through all this news and all this uh, material uh, before the end of the show. And as I look now, uh, I'm just uh, looking at the official F1 website. We are now two hours and 36 minutes away from the start of FP1 as uh, I sit here in the studio this uh, this evening. So uh, it's getting real. It's it, it's happening, people. So let's get a little bit uh, excited now. Uh, interesting. Um, you have all these uh, you know positive comments uh, coming out of the mouth of uh, Christian Horner, but uh, Yo- sorry, Yoss Verstappen. Pardon me. Yoss Verstappen certainly has not had uh, much time in the Red Bull Simulator this year, but also. Uh, that's not a surprise, but uh, surprisingly, his son Max, who is uh, obviously a current Formula One driver and uh, the uh, the rock star at, uh, at Red Bull Racing, says that he has had zero days in the uh, the Red Bull Simulator, as well as uh, driving a Formula One car during the coronavirus lockdown, and that's uh, thanks to the travel restrictions uh, in Europe. So, Max uh, lives in uh, Monaco. Said that the com- uh, combinations of uh, leaving uh, Mo- uh, Monaco early on, and uh, just the quarantine rule changes in the the UK recently, um, you know, a 14-day isolation uh, rule um, left him, uh, he said, to prefer to stay at home. It just uh, was, he wasn't able to, uh, to do it. So uh, he was not able to take part at the, uh, the the filming day that Red Bull had last week. And he said he couldn't do any simulator runs. And uh, he said on Thursday of this week, he had done zero days at the, the team's uh, facility. So uh, Max had to say, quote, I couldn't unless, unless uh, I had gone into uh, quarantine for two weeks but i didn't think that was wise especially with those busy weeks coming up uh, right now and in the end i've been in the simulator often enough of course uh, because we didn't know what was going to happen then what track so no and of course we uh, were in a lockdown so i couldn't get out of monaco that easily end quote so um who knows uh, max he doesn't believe that uh, you know the the lack of uh, you know having uh, maybe as much simulator time and taking part in the filming day he, he doesn't really believe it's going to be a big disadvantage to, to some of his rivals and uh he says uh, you know the, this two weeks quarantine thing just for you know 50 or 100 kilometers in the in the car for a filming day um wasn't really going to be a uh, you know justification uh, for it and wasn't really going to make a a big uh, difference i mean he, he's been obviously in formula one for a couple of years he he knows the track well he's he's driven the car this uh you know this year's car in barcelona so i think a, a, a lot of these guys are going to be in the in the same place place uh, this year but uh, yeah I mean it just goes to show you all these uh, travel restrictions and self-isolation orders uh, for international travelers uh, even within Europe uh, has has been a, a big thing. Anyways, uh, just going back to the uh, the upgraded Honda power unit that they're going to run uh, with uh, Red Bull uh, this uh, season, uh, Christian Horner had to say, uh, quote, uh, we have an engine upgrade as we essentially introduce what would have been the engine number two, which becomes our first engine. So in all aspects of the car, there's been an awful lot of work to go into it, and it's been a race against the clock to get those updates onto the car since the, uh, the reopening of the factory at the beginning of June. Uh, we don't really know where we stand going to Austria, and of course, of course the car would have been uh, developed. There have been uh, updates at the first European uh, races at Zanfort and Barcelona, and there would have been further updates for Montreal. So, of course, all the updates that were in the pipeline prior to the shutdown, plus whatever we've learned subsequent to the shutdown, have been implemented to, to the car. There are subtle revisions all over the car as part of that update process, which I'm sure the other front-running teams will have also have done. So, 
interesting uh you know to to, to hear what uh you know that uh, they're putting into the uh into the car what they're doing but um Horner did go on is quite uh, glowing uh about uh, what what Honda's uh, been doing and uh he said uh quote we enjoyed a great debut season with Honda winning three races and of course we're looking to now build on that they're ambitious they share the same ambitions as we do they've been working tremendously hard during the off season and of course we come into this year with a higher expectations end quote so who knows will they challenge uh, for the world championship this year will they uh, be winning races let's uh, well we'll find out this weekend they could uh, be uh, you know they, they could be there or thereabouts but uh, certainly uh, they seem to be in a good place coming into the season despite everything that we've been through over the past uh, several months anyway so just uh, kind of going back uh, or now moving over to some of the things that we're going to see implemented in formula 1 more because of the um, you know the, the coronavirus and the, the the health and safety protocols uh, mclaren says that they're confident that they can avoid a repeat of uh, having to withdraw from um, from a race as they had to do in Australia after a team member tested positive for COVID-19 back in March. And uh, Andreas Seidel is confident uh, that the new protocols that they have in place uh, for the Austrian Grand Prix this weekend and uh, and going forward should help prevent a repeat of the uh, the team's withdrawal in uh, in uh, Australia earlier this year. Anyways, uh, Andreas Seidel, the, 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 the team principal, obviously uh, had to say, quote, I'm very happy with the plan that has been developed under the leadership of the FAA, which is clearly gives us uh, clear procedures of how we execute the race weekend in Austria. What is different now to Australia is we have a clear concept of isolation of the teams between each other. We will show up in Austria in these different groups and we are building in addition to that set groups within the team. The policy is clear. If anyone should, would develop symptoms, we would immediately test uh, the team uh, member in the paddock plus all close contacts as well. So all the members of this subgroup, we should get the test result within a couple of hours on site, which then allows us to make a quick decision of what the next steps are. If someone is positive, he needs to be isolated from the team and can't continue. But for everyone else who is not affected or who is negative, we can simply keep going, end quote. So uh, interesting to hear that's how they're going to do it, uh, kind of really compartmentalizing uh, people within the team, within the paddock. Uh, and that seems to be the way uh, to, to go. Uh, they will also have backup uh, personnel uh, on standby in the uh, the UK to fly out to Austria if uh, one of the uh, team members have to pull out uh, for, for health reasons. And uh, all of the, the the members of the team have undergone regular testing in the the, the past uh, number of weeks, and all the the, the results have been coming back uh, negative, which is uh, you know really uh, good. Uh, anyways, uh, Seidel had to go on, uh, and he said, "quote We have to be honest. There is risk there because in the end, it's a virus, and as we have seen, it can spread quite quickly. But at the same time, with all the measures we have in place now, with all the testing of the people already before arriving at the circuit, and following this over several weeks now, we think we." will arrive down there in Austria well prepared end quote so uh good to hear that uh, that at least um, you know preliminarily uh, you know we we hear that uh, that these uh, precautions uh, are uh, working uh, so hopefully that uh, goes through this weekend and uh, through the races uh, the, the, this year anyways Social distancing is also going to be um, an issue for the the position of track marshals at uh, the the race compared to well basically every race that uh, we've ever seen. 
Um, the adapted marshaling locations will uh, still provide the same level of uh, visibility and access to the track as you normally would see at the Red Bull Ring, um, which, uh, you know, obviously this is going to be a, a bit of a difference because everybody has to keep their minimum uh, two, uh, two meters or six feet uh, difference or distance uh, between each other. And uh, according to Luca DeAngelis, who's a track support engineer at EM Motorsport, which is the the official supplier of the LED flag panels for uh, every one of uh, Formula One's uh, races, had the, uh, the the following to say, quote, it's already a challenge, but this year it'll be even more challenging, starting w- from wearing masks, glove, and all the sanitizing and the avoiding direct contact with people. Usually the marshals are always located together inside the marshal post. In Austria, there will be 15, 16 marshal sectors. So that means there will be 15 or 16 marshals controlling the panels. We need to make sure that this person is able to sit in a place away from the other marshals and away from the other people working around the track, but still in a confident, comfortable location to be able to see everything that is happening within their part of the track. These marshals can be located up to four to 500 meters away from the flag panels. So with this, they can be placed somewhere by zones and still be able to manage control and use the flag panels while maintaining a social distance. So in this case, it's very useful and very helpful to have this sort of system because we can prevent any social interaction between the marshals. It's a bit sad to say because you don't want uh, people not to be social, but it's for their benefit and for their own good and still be able to provide the service as they always do, end quote. So... Yeah, I mean, again, it just goes to to, to prove you just the the, the impacts that uh, that the coronavirus uh, have had uh, over the uh, uh, over the weeks and months, and just the, the implications and the effects that it's had for everything. And of course, uh, when you have uh, all these uh, track workers and marshals all cramped into a small space, and just knowing that uh, that is uh, you know even outdoors, uh, that that could be a, a potential transmission vector, which is a phrase I'd never even thought uh, that, that never even entered into my consciousness before a couple of months ago that obviously that can be uh, an issue as uh, as well so uh just uh, talking about uh, ferrari now and some of the uh, the, the issues uh, that they, they've had they actually don't believe that the the new restrictions are actually going to slow down uh, pit stops in in formula one which is absolutely uh, you know, amazing because uh, what average pit stop is what between two and three uh, seconds uh so that really is um astounding and uh this uh, you know, comes from uh, Ferrari Sporting Direct- uh, Director Laurent Mikis, and uh, he had to say, uh, quote, we now have an overall personnel limit, uh, which was not uh, there before, of 80 people in total. So we had to cut mainly non-technical people. As a result, the pit stop operations and engineering operations are not so much affected. They are a little bit affected because through global responsibility, we have tried to take as few people as possible to the racetrack, regardless of the limit. But overall, you will not see a big change in the number of people involved in the pit stop or in operations. We have reduced the numbers to do as many things as we could do remotely. As you know, we have uh, what we call the parallel box here at Ferrari, the remote garage that supports our operations. So everything we can do, we are doing remotely, as I'm sure the other teams are doing, as are the FIA. But as far as pit stops are concerned, you will see the same operation there, end quote. So... Well, proof will be in the pudding. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see this weekend. Uh, is it still going to be a, a couple of, uh, you know, between two and three seconds? Sounds like uh, that that's absolutely uh, going to, to, to be the case. All right. Uh, time here for another break here on the Overtime Media Network. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. I hope you had a chance to go get a drink. I know during the break, I just ran to get uh, a beverage there because 
I needed it. <laughs> My throat was getting a little bit dry and scratchy there, but after the close call I had here in the studio a couple of weeks ago that uh, I think I got about 10 minutes into recording and then I spilled a cup of coffee all over my laptop, <laughs> I just decided, you know, electronics and liquids just do not mix well together. And it was the first time, I mean, I've been podcasting now since uh, 2013. I mean, even uh, before I started doing uh, the F1 show, I'd already been um, doing, uh, you know, a show, uh, you know, for, for three, four years uh, before that. So I uh, I've been doing it for a long time. I never had an issue before, but I just felt like uh didn't want to take that chance again. Anyways, needed the break, needed the drink, and uh, ready to go here because we still have quite a few things uh, to talk about. So let's uh, get right back into it. Total Wolf, team principal at Mercedes, believes that Formula One can put on a great show in Austria this weekend and to overcome what he calls the weirdness of having a, a race held behind uh, closed doors with no fans in attendance at the Red Bull Ring. And, well, I don't actually uh, mind it. Uh, I, I think that uh, just uh, based on the current situation, I mean, obviously, it would be great and uh, wonderful to have a packed house at uh, Spielberg, but uh, we're obviously in a global health crisis and that that, that can't uh, happen. And uh, I'm just uh, really happy that we can have racing and, and, you know, Formula One racing in some form. And uh, if that means that there's there's nobody in attendance, I, I'm perfectly okay with that uh, in, in the in the time being. Anyways, uh, Total Wolf uh, said in an F1 vodcast uh, this week, quote, I think we know what to do. I think we know that protecting our staff and everybody who attends is the main priority. But equally, it's new ground. We've never been in this situation. We're talking about a lot of bubbles, less interaction with the other teams, you guys, the media and the fans. And that will be a new experience. F1 has always been able to take out the positives. And if we're able to provide a great show on Saturday and Sunday, I think it's going to be compensate for the weirdness, end quote. I think so. I, I think ultimately what it comes down to is that even though it's going to look strange seeing all these empty uh, seats and bleachers around the, uh, the the Red Bull ring, especially last year, I mean, with all the uh, the, the, the Dutch fans that came to, to cheer on Max Verstappen and the party atmosphere that was going on around the circuit after the race, um, it, it's going to be a very stark contrast uh, compared to what we're going to see this weekend. But at the end of the race... What really matters is what happens with the 20 drivers and the 20 cars that are on the track and what happens in the pits when they go in for their stops. And um, at the end of the day, that's what, what it really comes down to. The The, the atmosphere will be strange, uh, strangely lacking, I should say, but uh, I, I'm perfectly uh, okay with it. And uh, I'm looking forward to to uh, to getting up and watching this one early and watching it live, uh, which is something that I typically don't do because uh, I am not a morning person and uh, I typically don't get up uh, you know early at all. Even for Formula One, I tend to uh, record it on the PVR and, and watch it a little bit uh, you know later on when you know I can get my lazy you know what out of bed and uh, get a cup of coffee into me and then uh, w once I start to function and uh, you know. Yeah, the, the the mental functions start to come back online again, and I, I can think clearly. Then I'm a good spy usually to, uh, to to sit down and watch the race a little bit later in the morning here on the west coast of North America. But uh, th this weekend, just considering uh, what what's been going on. <clears throat> Pardon me, and and the fact that it is the first race of the season, and it's been so long 
since the uh, the season finale at uh, Abu Dhabi last uh, November. Uh, th- this uh, uh, no, absolutely becomes a uh, much watch uh, TV for me, so I can't wait to uh, to get up and uh, and watch this one uh, one one live. Anyways, uh, Ross Braun, the motorsport uh, director to Formula One, says um, that Austria still will be exciting uh, without uh, the the reverse grid that uh, they were talking about uh, em- uh, implementing. Uh, anyway, say so obviously we have the the, the back to back race weekends uh, this weekend and then next weekend on uh, July twelfth, and uh, this is going to be the first. First time in Formula One history that uh, a circuit has held multiple rounds of the World Championship within the same season, and obviously we're going to duplicate that next month in Silverstone with the uh, the, the British Grand Prix and the 70th uh, anniversary uh, Grand Prix as well. So I mean, there was uh, they were talking about shaking up uh, and changing the format for the second race in Austria uh, by running a reversed uh, grid uh, uh, sprint race on Saturday instead of qualifying, but uh, the the teams were they they just didn't unanimously support it and. Uh, Mercedes were just uh, flat out uh, rejecting the, the the idea. Anyways, uh, Braun had to say, "quote We introduced the concept of a qualifying race, which was based on the reverse championship order, and then that would take you through the main event, which would be the race on the Sunday. We discussed that last year, and we had a pretty good support for that, but not unanimous. And it's been the same case this year. There have been some teams who haven't felt that's the, something we should be doing. Our concern was simply uh, where we have two races at the same track because of the situation that this year we're going to have two races in Austria." two races at Silverstone and possibly two races later at the year at one or uh, another of the tracks. The second race, we wanted to see if there was an opportunity to drive or try a different format. And you know what, honestly, I, I'm okay with having uh, basically two races at the at the same facility without uh, flipping it up in, in, in back-to-back weekends. I, I can't remember who it was uh, said uh, recently, it might have been Ross Braun himself, that they didn't want to do anything too gimmicky. And I, I absolutely agree with that. Um, I, I like the idea that they're playing around with having different tire compounds and things like that. I like the idea that uh, perhaps they might be able to run some of these uh, races like, you know, in both directions on the track. Um, that, that was that was something I liked more than some of these other gimmicky ideas and sort of um, artificially... Uh, messing with the with the race order and you know honestly i mean th- this is hopefully something we're not going to see repeated uh, too often in the future in that uh, that next year in 2021 we're in a more of a normal place in that uh, we, we can have a proper world championship and um, you know, we don't have to race it uh, at the same uh, racetrack in multiple weekends. But that's what we're faced with uh, this year. And obviously, it's an extraordinary circumstance. And at, at the end of the day, I don't really mind uh, if it's the same format uh, for, for both uh, weekends. At the end of the day, what really matters is uh, who comes across the, uh, the, the the finish line first. And, and next weekend, when we see the second round at the um, at the at the Austrian Grand Prix. Obviously, it's going to be, what was it, the Styrian Grand Prix or something? Uh, Styrian Grand Prix? Forgive me if I'm uh, pronouncing that uh, incorrectly, but you know the, the the one thing is is many questions that there's going to be going into the race this weekend. There, there's going to be a lot of data that these teams are going to have for next weekend, and I think that's going to make uh, the, the, the follow-up Grand Prix in a week's time just that much more interesting just because it is going to be so unusual that uh, that that we have this back-to-back situation in the same season at the same track that uh, I think it's going to be a very very different thing I mean could it be become a procession 
Probably not. Uh, it just in this case, because it is going to be so early in the year and there's so many things, uh, you know, that, that we just don't know uh, that, that, I mean, the teams uh, don't know um, and they're going to be sorting out their cars. So I think it's going to make it uh, rather fun. And I really don't mind that. But I'm just kind of glad that they didn't uh, introduce this re- reverse grid thing and all these different ideas that they were kind of tossing out there. I just didn't want to make it a, a bit of a gong show. Anyway, so one of the things that they've done at the Red Bull Ring is that they've uh, removed the curbs uh, in, in some places to um, what they call ease the F1 team's spares headache. And uh, well, we talked about it earlier that uh, Lewis had a problem last year going over the curbs uh, too heavily at uh, turn one. He had to go in at about lap 30 or 31 to replace a damaged front wing. And uh, well, it was an issue last year as well. So <clears throat> There are a lack of uh, spares that uh, that the teams are facing going into the the, the year, uh, and just all, all the curbs, or sorry, the the costs and everything uh, associated with that, and. Uh, they, they what they decided to do was to remove what they called the aggressive curbing at the Red Bull Ring, uh, just to try and limit the amount of damage that it could do to the car and to the bodyworks. And uh, it has been confirmed now by FA Race Director, uh, di- Director, pardon me, Michael Massey, that the uh, additional yellow curb uh, curbs at uh, both Turn Nine and Ten have been removed for the weekend, and uh, the timing loops uh, replacing them to uh, uh, police the, the the track limits. And then basically that's what it comes down to, right? Is that uh, they want to make sure that uh, that the guys are racing within the two white lines on either side of the track and uh, and not gaining uh, any advantages but the other thing is too that uh, I know that they they, they put these uh, curbs and I think uh, you know uh, maybe uh, the circuit of the Americas was another one that comes to uh, into mind where they put in some of these curbs as well in some uh, you know uh, some corners because I think Max was cutting some uh, uh, a corner there uh, was in 2018 I think last year they put in a, an aggressive curb or two just to prevent uh, people from taking a similar a similar lines. Well, while I'm all in favor of uh, you know doing things to keep guys uh, within the track limits to avoid uh, you know getting too much an advantage. I I don't like uh, going too far the uh, the uh, the opposite way where they're too damaging because uh, then I think that the, uh, the 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 penalty far outweighs the um, you know the um, <laughs> you know the transgression as it were because okay the guy uh, you know he, he uh, exceeds the track limits give him a warning if he's done it a couple times if uh, if it happens say a third time or you know it happens once happens twice give him a warning third time you know three strikes you're out but if you uh, you know put that 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 curb there guy hits the uh, hits the curb once uh, you know he, he takes a bad line through the corner and damages the car like Lewis did last year in in uh, in turn one although he probably hit it a number of times uh, before that wing actually broke but let's just say uh, you you could hit it one time and then uh, you know you <laughs> you've got that long drive back to the pits with the subpar you know performance and uh, aerodynamic uh, downforce I, I think that uh, you know far outweighs the uh, you know the, the the transgression especially if it was a one-time thing so I, I'm, I'm all in favor of that Okay, so uh, moving along. So one of the things, okay, th- this was going to come up. <laughs> so we're, we're finally back to the politics and the controversy of uh, uh, of Formula One. And this is the pink Mercedes and the dual axis uh, steering, uh, which these were real talking points way back when, before 
coronavirus and the shutdowns were a thing. And uh, of course, uh, Mercedes really turned a lot of heads uh, back at uh, preseason t- testing with this uh, dual axis steering uh, uh, system that they had in uh, place with the pushing and the pulling on the steering wheels, which increases the amount of toe in and toe out on the the, the car. And then also the uh, the other one, of course, was uh, Racing Point's uh, 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 pink Mercedes, the RP20, which uh, heavily borrows on the design of last year's uh, Mercedes uh, W10. So at, at some point, uh, th- this was going to tend to come up. And uh, whether or not, uh, you know, uh, there's some sort of challenge that we see, uh, you know, uh, in, in regards to DAS or the pink uh, Mercedes, then who knows? Anyways, uh, Christian Horner had to say, quote, it's a Formula One, so for sure it will all come back. They're competitive teams, they're competitive animals, and as soon as they start running, there's going to be question marks from the Mercedes DAS to the racing point to whatever else might be on the agenda, end quote. And uh, I mean, who knows uh, whether or not uh, we, we see uh, this come back uh, at all um, uh, this weekend. I mean, I, I know that uh, there were stories circulating at the time. Uh, I mean, there, there was a bit of a gray area regarding the DAS, and uh, it was ultimately... Um, <laughs> seem to recall it was uh, it was ruled legal by the FIA, but uh, there was also that there were teams. I think Renault was one of them that that, that said that they were going. You know, should uh, we get racing at some point? Uh, that there would be a, a challenge uh, launched about the, the legality about uh, the the racing the racing point. So who knows? I mean. We've seen that uh, before. We've seen uh, teams uh, launch, uh, you know, or, or complain or, or uh, uh, launch uh, like, uh, yeah, I guess a complaint is the best word to to, to do it, uh, you know, uh, about the legality of uh, one car or another for whatever reason. And it could uh, very well pop up uh, again this uh, weekend. And wouldn't that be fun? Uh, wouldn't that be something to talk about in a different uh, light uh, for the first time in a, in a long time? Anyways, uh, McLaren said that uh, burning uh, tokens uh, won't uh, stop the, them from making the performance games uh, gains this year. Pardon me. And uh, they said that there's, they need to turn up uh, the development on their, uh, their their car this year. And uh, because uh, switching engines uh, from that next year will uh, uh, not prevent it from making a performance uh, jump. And of course... This is the last year that uh, uh, Mercedes, sorry, McLaren are going to be running uh, uh, Renault engines. They're switching back to Mercedes powers uh, for for next year, but uh, they're you know Formula One has frozen the car designs into 2021 before we have the big uh, introduction in 2022. But uh, in an attempt to reduce costs uh, caused by the, uh, the, you know, the economic fallout from the coronavirus pandemic, the teams uh, agreed uh, that uh, they will get to use uh, two development tokens to make changes uh, this uh, the, this winter. So uh, the majority of the teams can use these uh, uh, tokens to upgrade their cars. And McLaren's switch from uh, Renault to uh, Mercedes power units me- uh, means that they have to use up this uh, allocation for new engine uh, installation. So obviously that's a, a big thing, making sure that the, uh, the Mercedes engine fits inside that uh, the, the McLaren uh, properly. So uh, team principal Andreas Seidel said in order to get the the rule changes agreed to and help the teams uh, reduce the costs, everybody across the board had to accept compromises in, in one area or another. And uh, McLaren knew that there would be a, a downside to uh, getting some freedom to push on with this uh, Mercedes switch. 
And so anyways, as Seidel had to say, quote, at the beginning of all the conversations uh, we had at the beginning of this crisis, together with the FIA, with Liberty and the other teams, it seemed uh, the mission impossible to agree on the regulations. There had to be some compromise in the end, which we agreed to. And in the end, everyone had to make certain compromises or commitments in order to make this happen. For us, it's kind of a compromise, but in the end, it's a compromise I could accept and I'm I'm happy with. We definitely think that with getting the Mercedes power unit into our car, we will make a step forward with the overall car performance next year and I'm happy with that end quote well you know that that the, obviously that is the, the the big thing and you know if you can maybe take a, a look at um, at another example uh, the, um, the 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 one thing that uh, they've really uh, uh, Christian Horner keeps saying that has been successful about the the, the partnership uh, with uh, with Honda last year it was just amount of the, the the teamwork and the integration that they had between uh, Red Bull and Honda to to really make the power unit with the chassis and 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 uh, and really make it uh, like one integrated system. And uh, I always thought that that was an interesting uh, statement uh, by, by by Horner because I always felt like that, uh, that there was more of a, a divide between them and and Renault. It felt like uh, that, that there wasn't as much design and compatibility between the Renault power unit and and the Red Bull compared to when they switched uh, with, with Honda. So obviously McLaren and Mercedes are, are looking at, uh, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, partnership uh, like that. And as Seidel already said that they have a very good uh, working relationship uh, with the uh, Mercedes that's already in place and uh, they're already exchanging information uh, right now. So they, they have experience in the team and uh, what with the switching power units, which they've done a number of times, obviously going from the, uh, you know, having a Honda power recently and then to Renault and now going into, um, you know, going to, to Mercedes. They've done this a couple of times over the past uh, several years, so uh, they're going to be doing it again. But obviously, I guess you can kind of make the uh, the argument they've they've kind of gone up the uh, you know the the evolutionary change a little bit from from Honda to Renault to um, uh, now, now to Mercedes. I mean, obviously, Mercedes have had a, a you know, an awesome power unit over the, the the past several years and um well i mean i, I don't want to make you know <laughs> make honda sound uh like, like they're horrible i mean they're not i mean they're obviously getting much better but um, uh, obviously they were not in a great place when they'd partnered uh, before uh, with mclaren in the most uh, you know recent times and uh, that that is a, a completely different discussion for a completely different day but um it'll be interesting to see how the mclaren mercedes partnership uh, goes because obviously there's a lot of good uh, memories and a lot of race wins uh, there between the two of them. Anyways, time here for another break on the Overtime Media Network and the show that never ends. Don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. And sticking with uh, McLaren, uh, Andrea Seidel said there was never a risk of the team unable being able to race in Formula One next year, despite the the financial di- uh, difficulties that the uh, the parent company has had over the the last uh, several weeks. Obviously, talking about uh, at the top of the show that uh, that the parent company has uh, overcome its uh, financial uh, issues of late uh, by securing a 150 million pound loan from the National Bank of uh, Bahrain. Um, but uh, despite some of the fears uh, and, and issues that they were having that, that McLaren was facing recently, uh, Andreas Seidel said uh, earlier this week that the the team, the, the Formula One team's uh, future wasn't in doubt. And he said, "quote Obviously, with me and Zach, that's Zach Brown, uh, having equal." knowledge of what was actually going on we were not at risk of not being able to con- uh, continue uh, so there was never a doubt of McLaren not being on the grid next year I'm in a permanent uh, exchange with Zach who always keeps me up to date with what 
what's happening on the financial side. In the end, it was about finding the best option in terms of funding to get through this crisis now and to make sure we are in the best position after this crisis. It was just a matter of time when this was happening, end quote. So that that's great news. Uh, you know, I obviously was uh, quite worried. I mean, uh, when you hear that uh, that they were looking at all sorts of things, like uh, you know, I mean, looking at different ways for it to get investors into the team or selling off their historic car collection, because I mean that's awesome. I mean, if you look at some of the pictures that they have at the team headquarters, just all those classic F one cars lined up there. I mean, that must just be uh, incredible just to see uh, when, when you walk in through the doors there at uh, at the headquarters and, and see all these wonderful historic McLaren racing cars. That would be something I'd really love to see uh, in real life. But to, to see that, uh, you know, that they might have to or hear that they might have to sell it off in portion to uh, to, to raise some uh, money. Because obviously, what with the, um, you know, the coronavirus shutdown, they haven't been selling a lot of road cars. They've had a lot of issues. But on the, on the other side, I mean, it is positive to hear some of the other things, you know, A, that they you know they, uh, they were able to secure this uh, loan from uh, the, the National Bank of Bahrain, and two, that the future of the F1 team actually wasn't uh, in doubt for next year. So that, that that's good news. And slowly but surely, things are kind of starting to shake themselves out, and we're starting to get uh, a little bit of a clearer picture. Obviously, this this is not sustainable in the long term. Obviously, we have to get back to racing. Obviously, money's got to start flowing in, or else everybody's going to be in a, in a very dangerous position. But, uh, anyways, uh, just uh, moving on now and talking about things coming to light. Sebastian Vettel has uh, revealed how he was taken by surprise when um, uh, Ferrari team principal Mattia Bonato phoned him up and said he would not be uh, coming back for for next year. And referring to that, uh, Bonato said that he Vettel would not be uh, back at Ferrari for for next year. And I. I I thought at this point or at some point the truth would come out. I mean, uh, obviously, I'm not just speaking for myself here that uh, I was shocked several weeks ago when it was announced that uh, that Vettel uh, would not be coming back to Ferrari for 2021. And uh, it, at the time, it sounded like it was like a, a mutual um, uh, agreement. And I mean, it sounded like, the, you know, going back to... Uh, well, I mean, at least sort of halfway through the, uh, the, the the winter, say after winter testing, maybe coming into the spring, that it sounded more like a question of when and not if. And uh, you know, a lot of the indications at that time was that uh, that that he was going to get a new uh, deal with Ferrari. I always felt like it would be for a shorter t- amount of time, for a uh, you know a smaller amount of money compared to the the last contract he signed. I mean, that just uh, seemed uh, logical. I mean, especially after Charles Leclerc. Uh, you know, signed a multi-year deal. He's obviously the guy that uh, that they're going to be throwing everything into. And, and and I mean, obviously, Charles being what twenty-one years old now is the guy of the future, and uh, that uh, that that he's the guy that uh, they're really pinning all their hopes on. Anyways, I just felt at some point uh, something would come out. And um, uh, Vettel had to say uh, earlier this week, quote, there was no sticking point. It was obviously a surprise to me when I got the call from Mattia, who told me that there was no further intention from the team to continue. We never got into any discussions. There was never an offer on the table, and therefore there was no sticking point. At this moment, I'm not really having any talks. Looking forward, obviously, I want to make sure that I make the right decision for myself and for my future. I think I have a very competitive nature. I've achieved a lot in the sport, and I'm motivated and willing to achieve more. To do so, I think I need the right package and the right people around me, so that's what I'm looking out for at the moment. If the right opportunity should arise, then I think it is quite clear. If that's not the case, then I will probably have to look out for something else, end quote. So that, I think, is an extremely interesting uh, revelation that uh, that there actually were no uh, discussions and uh, that they basically told him flat out uh, that he that, that he would not be retained for, for, uh, for next year. 
and uh, th- that really kind of flies in uh, the, the the face. I think of what uh, what, what all of us uh, were were really expecting. I, I thought maybe he might get a one year deal, and um, then maybe they might have somebody in the wings uh, for, for afterwards, or somebody that uh, they'd be looking towards. Maybe not uh, publicly, but uh, still, uh, that uh, that that is quite the uh, the the revelation by uh, Sebastian Vettel. Anyways, uh, Sebastian Vettel's split from Ferrari at the end of this year could really help be a catalyst that helps him fly in his final uh, season with the team, and that comes from the the mouth of um, uh, Sky Sports uh, Formula One commentator Martin Brundle, and uh, he said that uh, even though that they have announced. The, uh, that they're going to be uh, parting ways after the end of this uh, season, after you know not being able to come to a new deal, that there have been some suggestions that uh, that uh, that maybe Sebastian might not be as uh, motivated, and he might uh, be a little bit on the defensive uh, for this year. But uh, uh, Brundle had to say. Quote, I think Vettel will fly, to be honest. In the past, I think he has given very little attention to team orders with him and uh, Mark Webber at Red Bull and with him and Charles Leclerc at Ferrari. He will have uh, no interest in that, will he? He'll be driving for himself. There's no doubt about that. Whether he fancies staying F1, I'm sure he probably does. Does he fancy a, uh, a works Renault drive or something of that ilk? That remains to be seen. But I think he'll be mighty. I don't think he's lost any speed. I think he might have lost a little bit of judgment in close combat, but I think that's going to be fascinating quite clearly ferrari will be favor their man for the future leclerc but then many would say they did last year anyways and i think that um, that uh, martin brundle has summed it up uh, very very uh, you know uh, 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 succinctly i think he's done a very good job of that and i think that, uh, that he's really nailed that the, uh, the the nail on the head there i think that uh, that seb is i don't think he's lost any speed either and i think obviously that uh, the, the statement that he made about uh, losing a bit of judgment in close combat i i, I don't think that the there's any doubt in that. I mean, we've seen him tangle with a lot of his uh, competitors on the track over the the, the past uh, year or two, and um, I, I think that has really been his his downfall and really put a lot of question marks about uh, Sebastian Vettel. Still a very good uh, Formula One driver, or quick Formula One driver, but uh, you know, obviously, it's more than just speed. It's got to be the complete package. And certainly, when uh, he's been going wheel to wheel with uh, some guys, it it hasn't ended well. I mean, there's been far too many tangles with other drivers in the in the past uh, couple of seasons. Now, uh, talking about um, Renault as uh, perhaps a, a landing spot uh, for Sebastian Vettel uh, uh, next year, well, that remains to be seen because uh, Esteban Ocon, who's going to be uh, starting his first season uh, with Renault, or he's actually in his first season already, but uh, going to go into the first um, race of his uh, Renault career this weekend, said that he would be very happy for two-time world champion Fernando Alonso to rejoin Renault and become his teammate there in 2021. Uh, anyways, Ocon had to say in an interview this week, quote, my personal cho- choice has no relation to what the team is going to do. I have a great relationship with Fernando. The helmet I have and the only swap I did between drivers was with him. He's the one with uh, Michael Schumacher. He fights uh, back in the day that gave me the love for the sport. I don't know if he's going to join or not join with us, but definitely if he could come back, I would be very happy. End quote. But uh, anyways, uh, that that was the same thing. Uh, if um, he was asked uh, whether or not uh, team boss Real Abitabul knew about uh, his feelings, uh, Ocon said, "I don't know. Maybe we should discuss that later." End quote. But I don't know. Um, I, I know that Fernando has uh, left the door open to Formula One for for, for quite uh, you know a long time, and uh, he said that uh, if the opportunity should come back, and whether or not uh, you know the, whether things uh, were attractive to him in Formula One at the time, those were the uh, the couple things. But I mean, Renault, that could be a possibility. 
it, but uh, he's burned a lot of uh, bridges in Formula One. And uh, I, I don't know. Uh, but then again, <laughs> you never really can tell with Formula One. So perhaps uh, we, we could see something uh, in the works with uh, Fernando Alonso and uh, Renault for, for 2021. But uh, who knows? Maybe I'm uh, maybe I'm only speaking for myself and saying uh, maybe don't hold your breath. But uh, I mean, Fernando, I mean, still uh, he hasn't really lost it. I mean, he's been uh, you know pretty successful in uh, in uh, obviously in in uh, the uh, endurance championship, winning the Le Mans, and uh, you know he still wants to win the triple crown. I mean, the the, the whole indie thing is still on his radar. I mean, d- does he have desire to come back to Formula One? I mean, he says he does. But uh, whether or not uh, somebody wants to give him that uh, that uh, you know that opportunity remains to to be seen. Anyways, the guy that's not going to be at uh, at Renault next year, Danny Ricardo says uh, Renault are going to take risks uh, risks with less to lose uh, this year uh, because uh, there's just less to lose in general for the midfield uh, teams. Anyways, uh, Ricardo had to say this week, quote. Uh, the approach is just to go and get some movement early on in the season. I think for us, uh, for us in the midfield, there is a bit less to lose as far as risk and reward. I think we will take the chances, hopefully come off with a few big results. And whether that's eight races, 12, 15, who knows how many we will get, end quote. Well, you know, uh, certainly, I mean, uh, th- there is uh, less risk uh, for them. I mean, uh, it's... Uh, as um, Christian Horner was saying, we talked about this earlier in the show, you know, that there is going to be a smash and grab approach uh, to, um, you know, to Formula One to the season this year. And uh, whether or not they can do something with that, uh, like teams like Renault, that remains to be seen. I mean, uh, I, I don't know really what to expect uh, from from that car this year. If you go back to what uh, Cyril Abitaboul was saying last week, he didn't really seem too confident, especially the uh, the opening couple of races uh, for, for the season. And certainly their track record over the, the, the past couple of years really leaves some uh, question marks as to how good the car potentially could be this season. I mean, maybe they'll... They they pulled something out of the bag, but uh, they, they they maybe not. I mean, they they seem to be more looking towards the uh, the, the the new uh, you know the the new regs coming out in twenty twenty two. But who knows? I mean, uh, maybe uh, and again, we'll we'll know more in a couple of days uh, after how this uh, sort of shakes down and what, how the teams uh, you know how these cars look up and down the grid uh, and not uh, just uh, just the midfield and uh, especially when you you think about it who are the guys that uh, that teams like uh, Renault are going to be competing against they're going to be competing against your Alfa Romeos your McLarens teams like that and uh, how do they stack up against them so that uh, remains to be seen and of course uh, maybe one of the dark horses in there is a uh, racing point I mean they certainly had a uh, decent winter testing way back uh, a million years ago in February so a lot of things uh, certainly uh, to, to look out for Anyways, guys, I think we're going to take one final break here. Yes, one final break. Still a couple more stories to talk about. And then we're going to finally shut it down. I know it's been a marathon, but hey, this is what we've been waiting for for months and months and months and months. And uh, well, I might not have a voice tomorrow, but it's all good. It's all for uh, it's all for a good cause. It's all about Formula One. That's what we all love. That's what we're all here for. So let's take one final break. Come back in a moment. Got a couple more things to talk about, and then we're going to shut it down. Anyways, don't go away. We'll be back after this very short break from message from our sponsors. 
All right. Well, welcome back to the show. Now, Lewis Hamilton said that uh, his fellow F1 drivers were not a target over racism silence. And uh, Lewis obviously been uh, very uh, vocal about the lack of uh, diversity in uh, in Formula One and uh, racial injustice and all that uh, um, over the past uh, several weeks. Um, Hamilton wrote on Instagram at the end of May what he saw. Those of you who are staying silent and described uh, F1 as a white dominated sport. And then, of course, he's gone on to uh, really lead the way in uh, in a call for greater diversity. I mean, he's launched a foundation. I mean, uh, Formula One's uh, announced some uh, uh, initiatives to try and make it a more inclusive and uh, and a more diverse sport. But uh, anyways, uh, Hamilton's comments uh, really... um, caused a number of drivers to uh, post their own messages condemning racism and uh and then of course the the other uh, campaigns in F1 that kicked off uh to uh, to try and bring about change have been uh, launched in uh, in recent weeks anyways hamilton uh, did clarify that he was calling on uh, motorsport in in general to speak up against racial injustice and he was not specifically uh, targeting or, or speaking out or 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 fingering his fellow uh, drivers and uh, lewis had to say quote ultimately people perceived it as i was targeting drivers it really wasn't. I was targeted uh, at the whole, it, pardon me, it was targeted at the whole industry. It's been something I've been aware of for uh, a long, long time and not really seen anyone do anything about it. In today's world where we all have a platform to be able to utilize our voice, we all have these uh, followers, our voices are very powerful. If you're not trying to encourage people to get out there and understand what the situation is and why we're in the situation, then that for me, that's frustrating. People being silent is something I've experienced for such a long time, and it's not uh, the time to uh, be silent. This is a time to help spread the message, to pull together. We need as many voices as we can to promote a push for change. That was really a calling for people within the industry for accountability for all the brands. They need to do more. The sport needs to do more. The FI needs to do more. We all need to do more. And that's what the message was really all about, end quote. And again, uh, Lewis, uh, he's really putting his money where uh, money where his mouth is. He's really getting out there and uh, and really uh, leading the call for that. And he's also unveiled a new black helmet uh, design with the Black Lives uh, Matter uh, uh, message on the back instead of the the still we uh, I rise uh, uh uh, slogan he has on the back of his helmet it says "Still We Rise," and then he's got the uh, the, the Black Lives uh, uh, Black Lives Matter uh, logo on there as well. So uh, Lewis uh, really going out there, and Mercedes uh, is also uh, uh, changed their uh, livery as well into all black and the W11. It looks uh, really, really good uh, for an obviously really, really uh, good uh, good cause. And McLaren has done the same thing as well to help support uh, uh, diversity. And uh, they've uh, also changed uh, their their paint scheme uh, on the MCL 35 uh, for this uh, weekend's uh, Austrian Grand Prix. And uh, again, it looks uh, really good. So they've got a, a rainbow on the halo. And uh, when the rainbow colors also uh, you know, feature on the side pod. And um, so there, there's a lot going on. And, and this is a, a lot to do with the the, the We Races One campaign, uh, which aims to raise money for charities around the world who are fighting against uh, COVID nineteen, uh, recognizing frontline uh, workers who are tackling the the, the pandemic, and uh, you know they've got anti racism messages on there. So I mean there, there's a lot going on, and, and for uh, you know obviously some uh, very very important uh, uh, causes. So this is something that uh, that we've seen in, in North America. This has been going on for a uh, you know quite a you know a long time, uh, but uh, for and drivers have actually discussed uh, taking a knee at uh, the Austrian Grand Prix uh, this uh, this weekend uh, before uh, the, the race uh, gets going to show solidarity with the uh, protests against uh, racial injustice that we 
we've seen take place uh, around the world in uh, recent uh, weeks. And uh, again, this is uh, probably a, a, a bit of a, a spinoff of the We Races One campaign, targeting inclusion and diversity within motorsports. And uh, of course, uh, we're, like we're just saying, I mean, uh, Lewis is doing a lot. Mercedes is doing the same thing with the the, you know, the paint on their car, the same with uh, McLaren. So uh, uh, Lando Norris, the McLaren driver, said that uh, there is a, uh, a discussion between the F1 uh, drivers and uh, Lando would just say, quote, some of the drivers have already been speaking about taking a knee. If we are going to do it, we should all do it as a grid. It will be discussed follow the, following the driver's uh, briefing with the Grand Prix Drivers Association this Friday. We will do whatever we can to show that we care and we respect everyone. We will do what is right when the time comes, end quote. So it would be uh, good to see and it would be nice uh, to see, uh, you know, everybody speaking out. But uh, again, what, what really matters is uh, uh, the, 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 I guess the, um, the, the future, the, the fallout, uh, you know, the, the knock-on effects from this. I mean, gestures can be one thing, but what we really need to see is some sort of ongoing change that, you know, it is just isn't taking a knee or just changing the color on your, uh, you know, on your car for a couple of races or a season or whatever. If you're going to be committed to, to change for diversity, then, of course, we're going to have to see people of all race, genders, everything included in the sport because i mean it really comes down to you know what what people can can, can contribute no matter what their background is and, uh, and and the fact is that no matter where we come from i mean we're all basically the same we all have our our, our positives and uh, people should not be excluded uh on on the basis of, of one thing or or another anyways uh <clears throat> Let's just uh, finish up uh, the, uh, the 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 show now. Just talking about uh, the future of what this season uh, might uh, have in store, and um, the Circuit of America's boss, uh, boss Bobby Epstein, says it's still too early to make a call on the um, on, on a decision. What's going to happen with the 2020 U.S. Grand Prix at the Circuit of Americas? And he's not in a hurry to get uh, a decision from Formula One. And the, the race is still theoretically on the calendar in the original time slot on uh, October 25th. I mean, that's obviously a number of months uh, out from uh, from uh, from now, and it's still part of uh, what could be uh, a f- uh, maybe four races on uh, the, the North American uh, continent. I mean, the, the Canadian Grand Prix, which would have gone about a month ago, is uh, possibly on the uh, the agenda for uh, October 11th, if uh, that can be uh, sorted out with the, the, the local authorities in, in Montreal. Then uh, you could have the, the the U.S. Grand Prix and then have the Mexican Grand Prix on uh, November 1st, and then the Brazilian Grand Prix on November 8th. So uh, none of these races have been uh, confirmed by Formula One. And, uh, you know, <laughs> there it, there's a lot of question marks here. Obviously, coronavirus is very bad in Brazil. It's very bad in Texas at the moment. Uh, although um, there's going to be some announcement on what's going to happen, or at least some sort of clarity on what's going to happen after the Italian Grand Prix at Monza on September 6th. So that something's going to come down uh, about that uh, very, very soon. So uh, anyways, uh, Bobby Epstein had to say in an interview with uh, motorsport.com, quote, I don't know if we can say whether the race is on or the race is off. A decision is going to be made but it hasn't been made yet. I think F1 are making all the plans to have a race if they can have a race, but we don't have to press for an answer. 
Uh, I feel for Chase Carey and all the things he's having to balance, and I do trust he's going to make as many destinations as possible while still not getting people and teams stuck and not being able to make the next event or have to cancel one at the last minute. For us, it's uh, easy to put a race on with very short notice. We probably need three weeks. We're ready to go. Just put on the lights. F1 has uh, plans for how they separate teams and work with limited staff. Bringing in a crowd that takes more planning and takes more time and hiring and preparation. They can wait until the very last minute to decide whether we have a no crowd race here, but I don't think they're going to wait until the very last minute. I think they're going to make a decision soon based not just on Austin, but uh, on Mexico and Canada. We have to trust that they're going to do uh, what's in the long-term interest of the business and that that definition is going to be different this year than in a normal year. I think if they can stay in a narrow area of Europe and run all the races, I support that. If they can come to Texas as part of a tour through North America, I would love that, end quote, and so would I. But uh, there's still obviously a lot going on and um, that remains to be seen. So hopefully we get some clarity in the season uh, very, very soon and see if there are further dates added to the calendar after uh, September 6th and the uh, the Italian Grand Prix at uh, at Monza. Now, Zach Brown, CEO at uh, McLaren, said uh, that the season for 2020, pardon me, 2020 could be a lot shorter than is uh, currently uh, predicted. And uh, as we said um you know, earlier in the show that uh, 15 to 18 races um, <laughs> seemed uh, overly optimistic. Uh, but uh, uh, Brown did have to say, quote, I think it would have been very difficult. It's been very difficult for a lot of teams, ourselves included very much so, having been through what we've been through. I think the caution is that we're going racing, but I don't think there's a guarantee that we're going to get as many races as we hope. I think we will, but I don't think that just because we're going to race uh, that one's life is back to normal. So I think we have to be very careful careful, very diligent, follow the rules, be very conservative. Obviously, we're all excited to go back racing. I think sport is a great healer around the world and TV ratings and the following will be very strong. You can only watch so many replays of sport, end quote. <clears throat> so yeah, I, I'd love to see 15 to 18, but uh, who knows? Uh, until we start getting some uh, clarity, it really remains to be seen. So one thing that uh, still uh, looks like a, it might be a thing is uh, having uh, three races in Italy. Um, you know, we know Monza is a thing. That, that, that's going to happen at the beginning of September around Labor Day. And, uh, you know, Mugello could be uh, uh, something going on there and also Imola. And uh, Danny Ricardo saying that uh, racing uh, you know, the current Formula One spec cars around Mugello would be, quote, insane. And it really looks like uh, they're going to get uh, you know the go ahead to have a second Italian race uh, this uh, this season. Anyways, um, uh, Ricardo had to say, "quote That was a circuit I raced back in 2007, and that was for uh, Formula Renault Italy for the first time, and it was my favorite circuit that season. Uh, I loved uh, just the flowing high speed corners, and I think in F1 it would be amazing. We had a test there, I think it was back in 2012 in F1, but you know the cars now, these 2020 cars around there would be insane." So yeah, I'm certainly excited if that one uh, takes uh, place. Now, Antonio Giovinazzi, obviously he's uh, Italian. I love that name. I mean, Antonio Giovinazzi doesn't get uh, any more Italian than that. So he's um, he's uh, really behind what he calls a cool plan for three Italian uh, F1 uh, races. And uh, he's uh, he said uh, he's a big supporter of the, uh, the, the suggestion, the plan that uh, we could see three races in uh, Italy uh, this year. Anyways, uh, he had to say, uh, quote, It'll be really cool. We don't know yet, but I'm a big supporter of this. Unfortunately, it will not be the same thing as when I raced last year because the people make the difference for me, the fans, the Tifosi, and unfortunately, the people will not be there. But I'm really happy if for three weeks in a row I can race in Italy. 
I'm just really excited about the news. We'll see what happens. But like I said before, I'm a supporter, end quote. So I really like it. Uh, I like the same idea. I think it would be really cool to uh, to, to see three races there. Anyways, uh, Giovinazzi went on to say that he likes all three tracks, uh, saying that they offer different challenges. And he says that they're really uh, fantastic tracks. Uh, he says he's got a lot of experience at Monza, had a lot of races there. And it was uh, his first Italian Grand Prix in Formula 1 last year. And uh, it's got uh, special um, uh, memories. And he said uh, he very much echoed the uh, the sentiments of uh, Danny Ricardo that racing on Mugello and the, the current spec Formula One uh, cars would be uh, an amazing uh, experience. And uh, just the, the the history at Emola is a it's a really fast track and narrow, and uh, so they've they've all got uh, different uh, characteristics. Uh, so it'd be uh, really cool and uh, really fun to see all of those uh, races uh, going on there. So finally, uh, we're we're just going to get to it now. The, uh, the the last story of the night as we close in now on an hour and. 45 minutes and uh, I I honestly don't know how I have a voice left but uh, whatever it's all good anyways uh, the the police in um, in, uh, in in the UK uh, <clears throat> Uh, pardon me, in uh, Northamptonshire, have uh, warned the public to stay away from uh, Silverstone uh, when we have the, 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 the British Grand Prix and the 70th anniversary uh, race in uh, at Silverstone uh, next month, saying that uh, that fans uh, and their presence uh, from trying to come and uh, watch the closed-door event uh, from some of the, uh, the vantage points uh, near to the, uh, the the circuit could jeopardize the, uh, the, the, the races uh, going ahead. Uh, anyways, there was a, a statement uh, issued by the Northamptonshire uh, police saying, quote, the event organizers have put strict and robust measures in place to minimize the risk of infection and to protect the race personnel, event staff, and the local community. Any uncontrolled gathering of people in the area would not only compromise the event, but the entire Formula One season. End quote. And then this is uh, backed up uh, by uh, uh, Stuart Pringle, who's the, uh, the, the the boss of the British Grand Prix. He had to say, uh, quote, the British Formula One fans are the most passionate in the world, but we ask that they do not attempt to travel to the Silverstone area over the first two weekends in August. 2020 is unique and so many a sacrifice has been ma- made by so many. However, as a motorsport community, we must work to, together to avoid compromising the Formula One season and help Silverstone protect its neighbors. End quote. So, you know, hopefully that, uh, you know, people, uh, you know, take the, the, the warning and stay away. I know that uh, we, we all want to see the cars up close in Silverstone. We know how passionate the fans in, in Great Britain are. And Silverstone is awesome, always an awesome, uh, uh, you know, atmosphere there. It's, uh, I, I've, I haven't been to Silverstone. I mean, I, I've got plenty of family in Britain, but that's just one place I've never actually gotten to to actually see a Formula One race. I'd love to do so as, uh, as soon as possible. Love to get there one of these days and see Hamilton uh, mania and uh, you know see the, the, the crowd go crazy uh, after a Lewis win. But, you know, maybe that's, well, it's definitely not going to happen this year. Who knows what's going to happen in the future. But anyways, it's all good. Anyways, that is it. I'm completely at the end of my rope here. It's been a marathon tonight, but it's been completely worth it. Thank you guys uh, for downloading and listening to the show. You want to get in touch, send me a tweet at ScuderiaF1Pod or send me an email at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com. That's it. That's a wrap. Enjoy the race this weekend. I'm going to be watching it live. I'm going to be doing a show right afterwards. So look for that to, to drop sometime on Sunday or Sunday night. And until then, enjoy the race. Talk to you soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com.